0: i got to be honest with you guys. Is it okay if we have a moment of honesty? (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, It's been a hard week for all of us. As you probably already know, our city, Redlands, and our sister city, San Bernardino, suffered one of the most tragic acts of terror since 9-11 this week frankly i've been wrestling with what to say this morning since it happened because it seems like all human words seem to fall short of expressing the heartache that we feel we have many feelings you know we have feelings of fear for our own safety and and feelings of betrayal because this thing was executed by someone who lived in our own city Some of us might feel confused and wonder where God is in all this. I mean, this is supposed to be peace Sunday according to the Advent calendar. And many of us feel anything but at peace. Can you see why I was kind of wrestling with what to say this morning? I mean, it's been a hard week. It wasn't until I realized that these feelings that we feel, these uneasy feelings of concern, hurt, and fear, that I began to feel the Lord's direction for this morning in realizing that the fact that those feelings aren't new feelings. They're not new because of this situation. The author of Psalm 55 was well acquainted with these feelings as well. This unknown author prays, and I think we're going to have the psalm up on the screen here. Psalm 55, verse 1 through 11. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not Yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I'm... And I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me that sounds familiar to me and i say oh that i had wings like a dove i would fly away and be at rest yes i would wander far away i would lodge in the wilderness i would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest destroy o oh lord divide their tongues for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from the marketplace. See this author this author knows what it's like to be afraid in their own city. I don't think any of us specifically are calling for the Lord to divide the tongues of the enemy, but but at the same time, this author knows what we are going through. I would venture to say a lot of the prayers that were offered this week were like this one. Maybe our prayers were prayers of lament, just pouring out our heart's anguish to God. Or maybe we pray for God to comfort the families of the victims. Or maybe we pray for the people who planned this tragedy to be brought to justice. Or maybe even some of us in a moment of true honesty just pray to God, God, I don't understand. And for all these prayers, we wait. And we wait. And we hope, and we hope for an answer. I think the people in our city are looking for an answer more so now than ever. So much so that some people have begun to change the question that they are asking. Their question has gone from, why isn't God answering our prayers to, does God even hear our prayers? Since Wednesday's mass shooting there have been there's been a backlash to people offering thoughts and prayers online and it's been nicknamed prayer shaming and the first time I actually witnessed prayer shaming was um, in my own social media feed someone I grew up with actually posted this this picture here in in response to the to the Paris attack and so if you can't read it it says don't pray for paris Religion is the problem. Terrorism is a product of re- religion. It's time to let go of religion. And I was dumbfounded when I saw that. And and even more so, I think Thursday's cover of the New York Daily News pretty much sums up what prayer shaming is all about. Go ahead and show that, Brendan. So this was the cover of a newspaper and so you have prominent politicians on both sides, tweet, you know, tweeting or social media saying thoughts and prayers, and then you have this this newspaper: "God isn't fixing this." Prayer shaming, and there's just been this backlash against prayer, praying. It the people that are lashing out against praying, it's because they feel like it's a meaningless action. They want to see quote-unquote real action. While I do think the phrase thoughts and prayers are with you is a little overused and a little under-exercised, anyone who has an active relationship with God will tell you that there is power in prayer. Actually, I can understand why people who are not of faith feel this way. It's because they have no frame of reference in their own life that prayer by itself is one of the most powerful actions we can take. Take Zechariah and Elizabeth in the book of Luke chapter 1. This is where we're going to spend most of our time in Scripture today. Um, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5. Zechariah and Elizabeth have one of the most powerful testimonies of prayer in all of the New Testament. And I feel like it's a really easy testimony to just read right by. So let's read Luke chapter 1 starting at verse 5 through 25. I'm reading from the ESV translation, but I believe it'll it'll be up here. So, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah To make ready for the Lord a prepared, a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe My words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zachariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service had ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So, okay. That's a long piece of Scripture. I appreciate you hanging hanging in there with me, but I really feel like this story has, has power to it today. Um, yeah, let's set the scene. You have Zechariah, who was one of roughly 20,000 priests in Jerusalem at the time. 20,000, roughly. And there were 24 divisions of the priests, and each division had... Roughly uh, a thousand members, and so as you can see, Zechariah was just one of many, many priests in rotation in the rotation of carrying caring for the temple and teaching and directing the worship service. Elizabeth was his faithful wife. The Bible tells us that they were both completely righteous and blameless before God, and yet Elizabeth was barren which means she couldn't have a child. Which in those days, children were considered a blessing. And that was before iPads actually happened. Um, uh, (laughs) Children were considered a blessing and not being able to have a child was viewed as a curse. And so her barrenness was actually a source of shame for Elizabeth. The Bible tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were both advanced in years, which is a very polite way of saying they were as old as the hills. And, the, and, at, that, and at this point in their life, they probably had little expectation that, that things would change in the baby-making department. But the Bible says in, in, uh, in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly, in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They were a couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth were a couple who was 100% faithful to God. Their faith was, was more to them than just following the letter of the law. They backed up their outward compliance with inward obedience. Their faith was deeply embedded in their heart. And even with this source of humiliation and hopelessness, they were faithful to God. And blameless before Him. But as we read on, God was waiting for the right time to encourage them and take away their disgrace. So what happens next? The priests. In Zechariah's division, cast lots to see who uh, got to burn the incense for the hour of prayer. Uh, there, was an, there was an opening in the temple and uh, the priests would burn incense and smoke would rise out of the opening of the temple and, uh, and basically go up to the sky. And the smoke symbolized the prayers of the multitudes of people outside of the temple, their prayers going up to the Lord. Burning the incense in the temple was a cherished job of the priests. And remember, there was roughly a thousand priests just in Zechariah's division. Um, Which if you think about it, like, that's a lot. You know, the chances that Zechariah is going to get chosen to do this job, it's like, when you think about there's 20,000 priests in total, you know, it's like a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get Chosen to do this sacred job. And, and against the odds, Zachariah is chosen to burn the incense in the temple. Which, I mean, was probably the opportunity of a lifetime, right? And, and the hour of incense comes and it's time for Zechariah to do his duty. And at the time, he was probably lifting up prayers. You know, um, one of them would have probably most likely been a prayer of the coming Messiah for his people. And probably like hundreds of other times, he he just lifted up a prayer for a child as he had probably done his, his whole marriage. But as he's praying, very suddenly he's disrupted by a very unexpected guest. And the angel Gabriel appears at the right side of the altar of incense and Zachariah was offering up his prayers and as he's beginning to light the incense all of a sudden, he's in the presence of this angel, and Zechariah, at this point, is absolutely terrified, which is a common response to people um, to when they encounter a divine presence. It's a common response in the Bible when people see an angel. And Gabriel says to him in verse 13, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer "...has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John." Which John actually means, um, the Lord is gracious. "...and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord." Gabriel goes on to tell him in the middle of verse 15, uh, "...he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So what is Zechariah's response to this overwhelmingly good news? In verse 18, he says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Which just goes to show, even thousands of years ago, men didn't know how to talk about their wife's age. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Zachariah says to Gabriel, come on man, I'm old, how do I know for sure this is going to happen? And Gabriel responds by listing his qualifications, right, which are very impressive, he stands in the presence of God. Then because of Zachariah's doubt and because of the sign that Zachariah asked for, Gabriel does this. Very interesting thing. He causes Zachariah to go mute, which is kind of like a sign and kind of like a, you know, like maybe a punishment, but it's also kind of gracious because Gabriel probably could have done whatever he wanted to him. You know, he he could have given him like a unicorn horn. Or he could have like turned his skin all green, maybe, or maybe made him smell like Brussels sprouts. But instead, he just, he just made him go mute. And, and Gabriel graciously gives Zechariah the sign he's looking for by just taking away his voice until these predicted events take place. And the Bible goes on to tell us in verse 22 that when he came out, he was unable to speak to the people. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went home. And in verse 24, we find out that Elizabeth did conceive. And she spent five months just thanking God for what he had done and preparing for this... This, this baby who would later be called John the Baptist. The man who would eventually baptize Jesus Christ. And I love what Elizabeth says in verse 25. In the ESV, it's, it's, it's worded a little strange, but she said, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he has, when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Elizabeth is thanking God for looking upon her and lifting her hopelessness and shame up from among the people. The disgrace was lifted. Their prayers had been heard. Zechariah and Elizabeth had their answer. And I think the thing I find the most beautiful about this section of Scripture is this couple's faith. Here they have this obvious to everyone around them disgrace in their life. And it wasn't because they had sinned or done something wrong, because we already discussed that they were righteous and blameless before God. This disgrace on their life just simply was. And they didn't know why. And Zechariah was a priest... He must have prayed for a child a thousand times. And yet, year after year after year, they went childless. They waited and waited for God to fulfill their prayers, but God stayed silent. But yet, they remained faithful. Blameless before God. And just as they began to believe that logically, their time for having a child had come and gone, God does something beyond logic, which He is very good at. After years and years of praying, God answers. God answers in a way that was so good that they, they could barely comprehend it. The Lord had an incredible story in mind for Zachariah and for Elizabeth all along. But He was waiting for the right time to lift their disgrace and publicly bless them. See, if the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth has taught me anything, it's that God is always listening to our prayers. And that there is always, always hope For an answer, I believe the author of Psalm 55 knew that knew this as well. That's the psalm we read in the beginning of the message, and and uh, you know it's the one where you can almost just hear the author crying out to the Lord. In verse four of Psalm 55, it says, "We read this part already, but I just feel like we need to read it again." My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness." I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. And that's where we stopped, but that's not where the psalm stops. The author continues in verse 16, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan and He hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old because they do not change and do not fear God and in the author's final statement he says in verse 22 cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you he will never permit the righteous to be moved but you O God will cast them down into the pit of destruction, Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their lives, but I will trust in you. Amen. While this world is calling for quote-unquote real action, we people of faith know that starting from the position of prayer is the most wise action that we can take. And when men of blood and treachery surround us, as the psalmist wrote, we need to let those circumstances drive us to our knees and allow the Lord to bring us to our feet like only He can. And we never, ever stop faithfully waiting for for an answer because the truth of the matter is the Lord is our answer. Amen. He is our peace. Jesus said himself in John sixteen, verse thirty-two and thirty-three, Behold the hour is coming. Indeed it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and And will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Whether it is a prayer of lament, or a prayer of asking for understanding... Our peace is found in Jesus Christ. Our answer is found in Christ alone. We will have troubles in this life. The psalmist had them. Zechariah and Elizabeth had them. And you will have them too. And I will too. But we can find peace. In the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has overcome this world. And He is our answer. And He is our peace. Now, I, I think we can't preach about praying and not pray. It's like, there's a phrase out there, practice what you preach, right? So I, I feel like, I feel like we should spend some time in prayer. So, Chris, if you could just come to the piano, and um, let's just let's just bow our heads as a congregation and just spend a few moments in prayer. I've invited some people to come close our time out in prayer when the time comes, and um, so let's just, as a congregation, just bow our heads and pray for our city. Pray for people who are hurting and who have questions and doubt. May they have peace. Let's spend some time in prayer.
1: Time of prayer to you, Lord, and we thank you that we can come to you in boldness and in prayer, Lord. That when we pray, you do hear us, Lord. The world may think that you aren't listening, Lord, but we know that you are. Your spirit is here, it will continue to be here until you remove it, Lord. And until that day comes, we will stand in faith and we will continue to grab on to the hope and the peace and the joy that you have given us, Lord. Lord, we pray for our city, Lord we pray for our neighboring city and other cities in this country lord that are under attack lord the enemy is here he has shown himself to be here and he's going to attack in every which way possible lord but you have promised that you are with us that you will not leave us you will not forsake us there will never be a moment that we would go without you so lord i thank you for that lord i ask that you would please help us to step out in boldness as you has called us to do, to be there, to be your hands, to be your feet, to share your words with those who do not know you, Lord, to encourage those who do know you, Lord, to, so that this way they do not lose heart and lose faith that you are here, Lord. The world may ask where you are, and we know that you are here. We only ask is where are they? Are they seeking you? And it shows so evident that our world is lost, Lord. So help us again to grow in boldness, to be out there, wherever you would call us to be, Lord, in sharing your name and sharing your truth. It is not the enemy's words that we listen to, but yours, Lord. And Lord, I pray for us as a family that you would use us boldly in this world.
2: In Jesus' name. Father, we just want to declare your goodness in this place. God, um, maybe we do have a little bit of a religion problem, but we know, God, that, that that you're not really a God of religion, that you are a God that we just get to come to. God, You are. we get a relationship with you. Jesus, we get to sit at your feet. We get to praise you, Lord. And, and it's not really about tradition or... All of these things that we've set up or buildings or anything like that, Father, that it's just coming together, being a family, being in your presence, worshiping you. God, we get to follow you. And that is amazing. We just praise you for that. God, we we have a heart problem. Our world has a heart problem. We have hard hearts. God, we've stopped caring for each other the way we should. God, would we not only just turn to prayer, but would we also just open up our hearts to care about one another, care about our community, and to truly serve the way that you served us, or that we would be willing to lay down our life for people, that we'd be willing to step out and share the good news. And it is hard. It is hard. <laughs> God, but we know that you're going to go with us and before us, and that's the real reason you've given us your Holy Spirit, is so that we can share that good news. And God, would people see you? Would they see your church being the hands and feet?
3: God, your word says that you love the world so much that you sent your son Jesus into this place but Father you continue in that verse and that passage to say that Christ not only came to this world to save us Lord but not to condemn this world but rather to save it and I love the first part of that verse God more than anything else because it speaks of your love for us for the love for this world and when Jesus was asked was the most important commands is said to love your Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor. And uh, right now, Lord, we're just kind of filled with a lot of fear. I think this place, is, uh, this world that we live in, Lord, is is sort of enraptured with all that. We sort of grab onto this idea of fear. And your word later on goes on to say in 1 John that says, that if we say we love you yet we're filled with fear then we're liars God fill us right now with your love first for one another that we would love each other and comfort one another Lord we we pray for those souls that were lost we pray for their families we pray that we can be available to love and to comfort them as you comfort us through your Holy Spirit Lord we ask that we would comfort each other in this place, in this town, in this city Lord as we suffer through this but Lord I just ask more than anything else that we would love one another that we would love those that are outside of our our building that we would love those outside of of ourselves, and Lord, I just ask that You would um, You would live in us in such a manner that You would live out of us in such a manner that people would look upon us and not say, "Well, there's a God that fails," but rather looks upon us and says, "There's a God who loves and who uses His people to transform lives and hearts and souls." Not just in this place, Lord, but in the community around us, in San Bernardino, in California, in America, and beyond the reaches of our borders. Lord, just fill us with that love today.
4: Lord, our world changed this week. A problem that seemed so far away in places like Syria and the Middle East and Paris, Lord, is suddenly in our backyards, and um, it rocks our world. Lord, we don't know how to respond, but we recognize that your word helps us make sense of it. We truly do live in a fallen world, a broken world. It began with our first ancestors who chose sin, and that sin nature has just come to Drive and direct everything that happens in this world, Lord. And um, we see it and saw it so clearly this week and what happened here. Lord, even in the midst of this, though, um, this is a season for hope. Your love, your desire to be in relationship with man came to fruition at this time of the year when you sent your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Through his perfect, sinless life, Lord, our belief in him can make possible a relationship with you in in true, true peace, Lord. Our world needs that peace right now. Help us to be lights for you in this world. Lord, I pray for the families that have suffered so much uh, in this last week. Those are still recovering in hospitals, Lord. I just uh, pray for their recovering, uh, recovery, Lord. I pray for families in this area and the, the fact that um, so many are, are now shaken. Lord, I just would ask that they would turn to you in this time. It's only in our trust in you that we can live without fear in this world not that we don't have things to be afraid of lord but that you your your perfect peace casts out fear overcomes fear lord and we claim that now lord lord we're grateful to you for what you do and we bring these things to you in your son's name
0: and so father as we close out this time of
4: prayer lord
0: here in this place god we continue father to lift our prayers to you this week as we continue to have conversations lord in the in the weeks and months that unfold with friends that are shaken lord people who have questions and asking where are you that we may be able to answer father that you right alongside us father that you love us father you are with us you hear our prayers lord and you want to see this city built up on the cornerstone of jesus christ